shout out Owens Exhibit, the number one podcast on the internet. Welcome everybody back to the podcast. It's been a while. It is 2024. Last time I recorded, it's it's been a while. That's the point. But we're back and I'm going to be joined by guests. But before we get into that, I want to give you a rundown. If you are new to this podcast, this podcast is about talking to creatives, talking to entrepreneurs, really diving into how they got to where they are, what challenges they faced, and then asking them how they've impacted the world around them. So for me personally, I am somebody who wants to start a business and it's helpful not only for myself, but for other people like me to get this advice and guidance. And it's no better than to get this advice and guidance from people like Kwan here. He's gonna give you an introduction Thanks of who he me. is and what he does. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is uh, Kwan Love. I'm the founder and the creative director of the supermarket company. And uh, we are operating out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Wonderful. I'm gonna ask you some icebreaker questions. They might be funny, they might be hard, but just do your best to try to answer them. So first question is, how has your life changed in the last year? Um, well, the last year I had a, a son, so that's a big change for me in the, in the last year. Um, I already have a, a daughter, so this is like a, now having two kids, I, We'll call myself like a kind of like a super dad. So, you know, that's a, the biggest change. And that's how like my life changed in the last. Wow. I mean, last year. taking on a new mouth to yeah. feed, taking on, you know, a new person to really bring into this world and hopefully bring them up in the best sort of way. That's that's definitely something that uh, changes yeah. everything for you. So yeah. that's incredible. And I hope, you know, everything goes smooth with that as smooth yeah. as it can go yeah so thanks. good thanks. luck with that and what would your what was what is one word that your friends would use to describe you um i would say um i don't want to say independent because independent is something that that i like i would describe myself as i think my friends would describe me as a uh, reliable reliable yeah. I could see that. I just noticed we both have cardigans on today. Yeah. Anything particular you want to break down about your fit? Because I know you're you gifted me this hat, so we're gonna be able to uh, fully twin it out. But what's what's going on? Well, with the cardigan, I just thought it matched great with the with the shoes. Got some Doc Martens on. Yeah. Those are painted. Yeah. So I thought it would match great with the shoes, and I was going for like a kind of like a casual aesthetic coming to coming Mm -hmm. to New York, you know. And this shirt is by your company. Yes. It's one of my uh, favorite like pieces from the company, one of my favorite shirts from the company. This is the uh, Milk and Honey t-shirt. Break it down for us. Where'd that idea uh, come from? Well, the idea came from, um, you know, uh, first it started out as a two-part shirt. So it was a green shirt and uh, more of a golden color shirt. And the idea is from, you know, America is called the land of milk and honey. So the green was uh, representative of land and the gold was representative of gold, you know, which would be the milk and honey. But we transitioned it into a shirt with a woman and a man. The woman is the honey and the man is the milk. And it's just like it just shows the um, the relationship of man and woman. You know? mm-hmm. So that that's 
the breakdown of it now. Like it, it transformed from one one idea into another idea. Yeah. yeah, there's so much. I guess I would say like history, but also so much storytelling and in the items that you put out. I've yeah. noticed like lots of different things, and we'll get into them. So definitely, I would have never taken that meaning from the shirt that you yeah. just basically explained to the explain to us so i think that's incredible yes. and then you got the hat on what's yeah, the significance uh, it's an ode to jackie robinson i don't know if you ever seen like the dodgers the back yeah back in yeah. the day like how they would have the green underbrim mm -hmm. which is like kind of like the vintage look with the uh the, the, the navy blue so this will be the dodgers color and the s is like the super stands for the supermarket but the side of it is like an ode and like a homage to jackie yeah. robinson i was just at the museum probably two weeks ago yeah. i think it's something that not a lot of people like talk about in new york yeah. city like going to the jackie robinson museum yes it was incredible also like in pittsburgh went to the roberto clemente museum yeah. so like to hear about those guys journey from like going into the major leagues and also just like also their time in the war and whatnot it's just yeah it's so crazy to hear about their stories and it's cool that you're you know, doing your piece to pay tribute to them. Yeah, and, That's a, and a lot of our pieces are like, um, like heavily, like, uh, like incorporated with history of America. You know, because like we pride ourselves in being like an American brand. Definitely. My next question for you is: What's a winter must-have clothing item? Um, definitely a sweater. What type yeah. of sweater? Um, any any knit like a, a knitted sweater like a knit a knitted sweater and um a beanie got you definitely you got to make sure you have those so that you can layer up yeah throw a jacket on over top and then when you head inside you just and, take that and off it, and, and it puts it good. puts the fit together it like puts like kind of like the cherry on top of the fit mm -hmm. as far as like you can wear whatever type of jeans whatever uh khakis but as the knitwear that you that you choose really throws on like your fit as far as with with the winter time you know? completely yeah. i have a sweater that if i could or if like you know i felt comfortable with it i'd wear it every day it's just yeah. my favorite sweater it's so cool what would you say is some tips for styling a sweater because really the only thing i can think of is like you know throwing the collar on mm -hmm. and then like putting it over top of the sweater so that it peeks out yeah um do you think of can you think of anything else sometimes a sweater on top of a sweater so if you'll have a sweater and then you'll take another sweater and wrap it over top and kind of like tie the arms together mm -hmm. and that's another way to like give it your own like twist but also still you know have the essence of okay this is like uh the winter time and let me try something different like you know it's a different type of uh yeah you know, be, being versatile basically yeah no that's yeah. new to me so i'll have to try to yeah. do that you know pile on the sweaters make sure i yeah. can look good in it so next question is what's something out of your comfort zone something you haven't tried before that kind of is pushing it maybe you've thought about it maybe you haven't um out of my comfort zone that's a good question just getting in front of the camera more and being in front of the camera is something that it's like it's not difficult but it's something that it's like it it's kind of like a, um, a thing where I'm like self-conscious about it, you know? Right. Yeah. We did just do a quick little, I don't know what you want to call it, like a, we'll call it a promo video, but yeah. basically I'm going to put this out there on YouTube. We went into mm -hmm. the deli, you got your favorite snacks. Yeah. You wanna, what snacks were those? 
uh, plantain chips and a strawberry kiwi mystic. Dope. Yeah. And he's actually going to let me try it out. So I'm going to have to get back to him, tell him yeah. good tell or him bad. Tell him what you think about you it. Know? You know, like, yeah. Definitely. What, what do you put on a sandwich? Um, it's a lot of things to put on a sandwich, but my favorite, my favorite thing to put on a sandwich will probably be, um, cucumbers, uh, lettuce, tomatoes. Um, if it's a turkey sandwich, sometimes bacon, I put that on there. Um, it's the sandwich at Wawa that I really like. That's, um, it's called the turkey veggie ranch sandwich. Has bacon on it, uh, the cucumbers, everything I, I named. Mm-hmm. And um, on a on wheat bread as mm-hmm. well, you know. So I'm not from the East Coast, but yeah. people, I like. We had a Wawa on our campus, yeah. obviously, and we'd always go there. And I just like I, not a fan of Wawa. Yeah. Wa- so help me understand wa- what's the what's I'm a Seven Eleven person. So yeah. help me understand what's the pool to Wawa. Wawa is kind of like Seven Eleven would be like a. Like no offense, like a H and M and Wawa would be kind of like a Louis Vuitton of okay. of like convenience stores, because you can go to Wawa and every everything you get from Seven Eleven you can get from Wawa, but Wawa makes you know those uh, those sandwich those hand those handmade mm-hmm. sandwiches those uh, cappuccinos. Um, they got somebody carefully yeah, crafting whatever yeah. you're about to buy. Yeah, instead, instead of, of someone like you, go, you know back there at a factory, right, turning out sandwiches, right, and then you just have to like because at Seven Eleven you can get a breakfast sandwich, but you have to put it in the microwave, which is kind of like an industrial looking microwave, and they mm-hmm. tell you, okay, put this in here for one minute or two, you know, like yeah. But at Wawa, you can just you can type it in on the the touchpad, and someone will make the sandwich for you. Okay, you know? it's kind of just t- it tastes more like fresh, better service. Yeah. Okay, I see it. But I'm gonna tell you the jalapeno taquito tacos. Yeah. Uh, taquitos from 7-Eleven. Those are definitely. Those I got. I got to try that. Sure. And I don't. I don't knock 7-Eleven because I was like heavy into eating at 7-Eleven. But once you've tried Wawa, it's like it's kind of like you can't. You can't really go back to like right. a 7-Eleven. Right. You've had your taste of the good side of yeah. things. <laughs> so, do you have any siblings? Yes, I have. Uh, Two sisters and a brother. And where do you fit within that range? I, will, I would be the, the oldest. The oldest. Yeah. And are you close with them? Do yeah, you, very close. Very close. Very close. Would you say any of them share the same sort of ambitions or same sort of interests as you? Yeah, well, everyone has their, their, their different um, things that they're into and they like, but somehow it brings it all together. Like, so, like, I like designing clothes and I have a sister who likes doing hair and I can get her to use her talent to join what I have going on when mm-hmm. it comes to like campaigns or photo shoots stuff like that and um I have another younger sister she's in college but she also is into photography so I can get her to do like behind the scenes stuff just so she can get a feel of like what's going on as far as in on, on a photo shoot uh, on a set you know right and then I have a brother, but he's into like security. So eventually I want to do like runway shows. I can get him to lead a security team on a runway show. So that's how my mind is when it comes to what, they, what they're into and involving it into what I have going on. It sounds like you're really connecting the dots and you really want to involve all of them, which is incredible. One thing we touched on 
for a second is the fact that you listen to Next Gen. Yeah. And I know a question that comes in often is... Um, sorry, I'm just taking sorry. <laughs> I thought it was my roommate, so I was like, wait, I'm going to let them come in. So one thing we talked about for like a brief second was Next Gen, and that's a podcast that I listen to, and you mentioned that you listen to it. And a question that comes up very often is like, how have your parents basically influenced or kind of promoted your pursuits yeah and how would you answer that question well, i'll say that um my parents based on based on how their their life uh like watching their life growing up that's what promoted or basically gave me my drive so my mom like she's like a hard working a hard working woman so she would work hard and that's what gave me my uh i guess the the trait of working hard my dad he's like a intellect so that's what gave me the idea of okay I'm I'm into books as much as my dad and um I I I just like uh, like I have a hustle like my mom and my dad and the intellect of my dad got you last question to round out the icebreakers is what's your biggest fear uh biggest fear is um What would be my biggest fear? That's a, that's a great question as well. Biggest fear is not looking like um, a superhero to my kids. You know, like everyone, especially us growing up, we looked at our parents as like a superhero in a in an instance. You know, like and that's that's how I, that's my biggest fear. Like I want my kids to always like look to me as for guidance look to me as like okay uh, any time i need any advice or any help or anything this is the person i can like call on mm -hmm. yeah. so your your vision is to have your kids look at you almost as a friend as yeah. a bigger older friend that friend mentor encourage and yeah. support them yeah friend a mentor and just someone who will always be there for them like in any any journey of their life, any any part, whether they're forty years old and I'm, you know, walking with a walker, they can still look look to me like, okay, I can go to him to get this type of knowledge or this type of like, you know, guidance. That's a really good outlook outlook to have because I don't know if you want to touch on it, but if you do look up to someone more as like a superhero, you might feel that they have all the answers or that they might judge you for what's right or what's wrong. But truly, mm. if you're like, um, it should be more on the level of like, oh, okay, this person's still trying to figure out life too. Yeah. But they have some of, they have more answers than I do. They yeah. have, there's someone that's more experienced and I can go to them and get their opinion on it. They might, they might not necessarily have all the answers, but they can at least give me some insight in order to get me to maybe a better possible solution. So right. why would you say it's kind of, it's not as good of an option to have like a superhero as opposed yeah. to like that very like reliable friend? Yeah. Why would sure. you say, what's what's the difference? Um, the difference is like a superhero is you, you look at them like they can't, 
can't do any wrong. But like with a friend, it's like okay, um, like just like like you were saying, you're you're not feeling judged. You're feeling like you can like be unfiltered and you can be like your natural like self. You know, mm-hmm. so definitely. We did talk about that friend. Would you say there are people in your life right now or that have been in your life that you felt like they were your friend and they provided you with all the necessary, you know, energy and advice that you wanted from them? Yes. So like um, one person would be uh, Shalice. We we both run our uh, company together and she's someone who I can tell my ideas to or tell my craziest ideas to and she'll be like okay uh for this to work this will have to happen or you know maybe we should do this instead you know right how do you delegate tasks or who's involved in the operations of your brand so uh me and Shalice we're the the main like designers like I'm more of a guy who's um like I can design of course I can like cut and sew I can do things like that but she's more into like uh preparing the tech packs uh anything with photoshop um the photography side I'm more of on the visual side as far as like doing the video campaigns and we hire other talent so whether it's models whether it's like photographers makeup artists um hairstylists things like that got you I want to take it all the way back to the beginning of where it all started and where this idea came from. So if you can walk me through, maybe we even start as soon as like growing up in Brooklyn. So you mentioned to me that you were born in Manhattan, raised here in Brooklyn. How long were you here for? I was here from from birth until about middle school. Yeah. And that definitely provided you with more like different experiences and different things that you were interested in like you obviously saw things met people yeah and what would you say some of the biggest things that you took from that time period were well and you know new york um growing up in new york especially like at that age you grow up faster because of the how fast-paced the city is how big the city is how long the city the city stays up at night so um I I would give like a kind of like the the picture of Hey Arnold. I don't know if you ever seen Hey Arnold, and it's like everyone is hanging out on the porch with the stoop kid. That's how growing up in New York was at a young age. Everyone is all different ages. Whether you're five, six, seven, thirteen, seventeen, everyone would hang out together. So a lot of um, growing up in New York is, and especially around the diverse cultures. It um, really shapes and molds how the rest of your childhood uh, would be. So going into Philadelphia from New York, it um, basically gave me a more advanced outlook on life. Because um, th- Philadelphia gave me a chance to like actually slow down. It's more of a slower paced city. So it actually gave me a chance to slow down uh, going out there. And, and so as well as still have an advanced mind. Mm -hmm. So you said you went to high school. Did you end up going on to do more learning after that? Or did you go out and decide you wanted to get a job? Yeah, so I went to um, uh, Full Sail University in Florida. Okay. That's like kind of like I think a mile away from University of Central Florida. Mm -hmm. 
in Orlando and I stayed there for about a year. Um, but then I ended up dropping out and leaving and coming back to New York for a little bit. I want to know, what did you go for? And did you think that was what you would end up doing with your life? I went for recording arts and I used it a little bit because I'm, I'm great with video and audio. Like I was a video and audio uh, technician. So I, I did good with that. But um, as far as like the college life, having to like at that college, you have to like buy a, a like a or rent like a, a apartment. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a it wasn't a dorm. So I was working overnights at Target around that time while going leaving from there going to school. So it's like the college life and dealing with finals and stuff like that, as well as working overnight. It was like it took a toll on me. So I was like, yeah, this is like getting overwhelming. So definitely. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Florida, that's a far way to travel. Yeah. Was recording arts. That was something you were really invested really, into. Yeah, I was really into that. But also I wanted to like leave Philadelphia at the time just so I can like get to, get into something different or get into a different area and like find myself as an adult at that time. Mm-hmm. What did you want to do with recording arts? Um, like engineer, engineer, like mix master, uh, audio and visual, uh, work as well. So were you doing any of that prior to going to school for it? Were you? Yeah. With, with friends, like, like after high school, like, well, basically during high school, but like after school was let out, Mm -hmm. we would go and like hang out and like record and engineer mix and master stuff like that. Were you made, uh, what type of genres were you? Um, into hip hop R&B what were you taking influence from any artists in particular Um, you said Baltimore New Jersey club scene but was that more of like the nightlife that was more of like music yeah that was more of like uh, yeah like night like nightlife or just like hanging out going to like parties and stuff like that right so what did you say you were trying to make what type of music were you trying to make like so hip hop but I was um, heavily influenced by like uh, Kanye West and uh, like Jay Z, Drake, like those type of artists, and they were like, they were they were out, but Drake, I think Drake, he was just coming up around that time, mm-hmm. so that's what we listened to a lot. That the weekend, like those artists were like J Cole as well. Those artists were just like yeah. putting out their first few mixtapes when, especially when Dat Piff was around. That's mm-hmm. when we was able to get the 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 first taste of like those artists. Yeah, I mean. Kind of share with me Dat Piff. Mm-hmm. I, I need a refresher. Yeah, so Dat Piff used it was a website where you can download like mixtapes for free, and they weren't they weren't mixtape. They were like basically albums, but so it was original music. But they mm-hmm. would call them mixtapes, and um, they, those were for artists who were were at that peak of like breaking through and becoming mainstream artists. Okay, you know, so the weekend he had his first three projects on that platform drake he had uh so far gone that was on that platform as well before it became a mainstream project so um and j cole j cole he had uh the warm-up and friday night lights those were on that platform those platforms before they bubbled and if you were on that platform you were like you were getting to that level of being becoming a mainstream artist so we were talking about dot piff I want to know, is that something that people, artists would do because it was something they could do independently? It didn't require a lot of 
investment and a lot of promotion what was the reason that really was like the main platform to put your stuff on when you were bubbling it was um it was like the most popular platform at that time you know like how soundcloud had an era where you had your music on soundcloud you gain a following on there and then that had to shoot you to like stardom that was how that piff was it was like the number one platform to go to get all the new exclusive music like everyone would go there and even certain artists who probably didn't make it to that like to that point as far as like a mainstream artist they would put their stuff on there and you were seemed like you were looked at as like cool basically for having your stuff on there cuz that's the number one was the number one platform that makes a lot of sense to me now i do want to get back to more about you and your business that you're building i think i want to touch briefly on these stories that you're telling I read something about it's your brand is to be reflective of the modern lifestyle, but also bringing in these past, um, like almost your hereditary kind of story and whatnot. Do you want to kind of elaborate on like what these stories are that you're telling and why you're bringing them back? Yeah. So I'm talking about um, when I say hereditary stories, I'm just talking about uh, like black American culture. And like I've like like I said earlier, I'm heavily on uh, building a brand that revolves around American culture. We have a lot of brands that's out, but it's we don't have a lot of like American brands that's like that's uh, other than like uh, Ralph Lauren or I think like a Calvin Klein as well. But like the main, the most popular ones are like Louis Vuitton, uh, Dior, those type of brands. And my idea for uh for what I'm doing is um, trying to incorporate those stories into the clothing as well as far as like saying like uh, talking about like a Jackie Robinson or even something like a uh, like these sweatpants I have there Sojourner Truth sweatpants and I'm just trying to bring light to that like as far as not not these ones but on my the ones uh, that you made yeah, yeah yeah so I'm just trying to bring light to that I even have a Greensboro shirt with the four Greensboro uh the sit-ins. So I'm just trying to like incorporate that in a way where it's not, um, it's not too much on the side of, um, telling the story, Mm -hmm. but it'll tell the story through the clothing. Or if you, if you're wearing it and you decide to be like, okay, this is called the Greensboro shirt. I want to see what's, I want to, I want to look more into what this piece means. You know, like I'll, I'll, I'm just want to make like, cool stuff but also give kind of like a ode to certain parts of my history yeah i mean even just looking at the clothing that you've put out like the tuskegee airmen like that was the first time i'm really hearing about this so like even like coming to brooklyn like i don't know if you i'm sure you know but like you know do the right thing was filmed like a block away yeah like so cool and then like what spike lee does with like bringing up these historical points in the films, like mm. uh, The Five Bloods. I don't know if you've seen yeah. that, but that was like, that was really like very informational and very like also a great story overall. So I guess the point I'm getting to is I want to talk about where this like came from because I know that I read something about you wanted to start a brand that was educational for youth people in describing or like talking about like foods and stuff yeah. so, so what was that original idea and so how did you was, get to where you are now yeah it's crazy that was um so that was um 
the beginning stages of the brand. Our brand started out as a children's clothing brand to educate children on like um, different food groups, you know, to have a healthy and balanced diet. So that's how we started. That's why we named it the supermarket company. And as we like gradually started like building the brand and building the company, more adults were like, that looks like tough. I want, I want that for myself, you know? And I was like, oh, we only have it for kids, but I can make it for you. And then we transitioned into, okay, uh, it's more adults that are into what we, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of like cater to that and like, kind of like rebrand it into that, but just keep the same name, you know? Right. And was that, was the whole like, um, idea pretty much formulated because you had just had your daughter like what what was even the motivation behind yeah that? so uh um i was about she's about to was about to be born in a few months and that was the idea of like starting that like for her or and it's also for something that she that can grow with her that's mm-hmm. a, that's that was the the main objective of like starting a brand because i want her to like i want her to like see uh me into entrepreneurship and have like an interest in it right so be able to be that figure that kind of guides the way or at least gives them the impression that they can do whatever they want as long as they put their mind to it yes really invest into it and learn about it so i guess i want to get to the point of you learning about the business side of it and the creative side of it once you started with this idea, were you already really establishing it as a business or was it kind of more of a side thing that you were doing? Did no. you like go out there and you're like the supermarket line, I'm going to trademark that. Like what did you, what was your first move? Yeah. Well, I started it. The first move was I started it as a uh, getting the legal paperwork for it. So like, as far as like the LLC, the operating agreements, the bank accounts, the trademark I recently, cause you know, like when you're doing trademarks, it takes like years for it to for you to actually process a trademark it does it takes yeah years so with, with, with trademarks you can file for a trademark we filed for our trademark i think in 20 2020 mm-hmm. and we recently got it in september of last year okay because you have to um you have to have like a attorney a trademark attorney to look over it and then um it might you might have a office action which is like a contest to your trademark saying that we're using this trademark and um or this company is using the trademark and you would um like you would have to dispute basically and say right. that it's not like so it's not confusing with someone else's like business right so i had to do that and that's like a long like drawn out kind of like fight mm-hmm. and then once they approve it then it's like okay it's yours but also it's it's yours and you have to keep uh years after keep like maintain like maintenance in it like so you got to maintain it as far as like filing more paperwork so that you can keep the trademark right so someone attested that your name was similar or at least like uh kind of you know i don't know what it's i don't like uh encroaching or like kind of yeah, kind of like, kind of like, com- you know, it's kind of like uh, competing, confusing, confusing, confusing with their trademark. So, and it's crazy because it's like uh, Supermarket Sweep. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's like a TV show called Supermarket Sweep. Okay. Where 
and that that was one of the like kind of like um, hurdles we were trying to get past as far as not being confused with the supermarket sweep mm-hmm. and also another company called the supermarket which is uh, like kind of like a holistic like type of uh, company okay and when you went in to wanting to trademark this name were you already doing research like is this name out there who has this name like did you look through like the registry and you're like oh this name's not really I, attached I, did, I, I didn't even do that because as um i was just learning as i as i went you know yeah like because um a lot of stuff that i learned i either learned it from books or i learned it from um like the internet you know mm-hmm. even with the trademark i didn't even hire like an attorney to do the trademark i I just like kind of did my research and like wrote up kind of like a response to the office action yeah and was just like crossing my fingers and hoping like okay like I'm, I'm hoping I can be able to get this thing approved and right. once I got it approved it just boosted like my, my uh, confidence in what I was doing but even with the company running the company I'm more of on the financial side I, I do creative things as well as far as like I design and everything but I'm more on the financial side as far as, okay, let me um, make sure the operating agreements are right, the manufacturing agreements when we do ship to manufacturers. And um, I'm the one who will contact different companies and make sure that, you know, we have a credit line or we have this uh, these type of legal documents in order. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, you said, an operating agreement? Yeah, so operating agreement would be something that you would you would get to you and your and whoever else owns the company with you mm-hmm. they would sign that agreement saying that uh you are able and you are good in good standing to operate the company without the operating agreement you can't open a business bank account or a business savings account and those two things you you need and they're, they're pivotal to like uh having owning a company and building a company and this is in a partnership company. What type yeah, of company? Yeah, so LLC, and it's LLC. like a, a partnership. But whatever, even if it, you're like the sole owner of it, you would still need like um, these type of documents, especially if you want to get like uh, business credit, like a line of business credit and stuff like that. Did you immediately go into it thinking like, oh, I need to get credit for this? Like, what was your? Re- How did you even get to the point where you're like, oh, we need credit? Was it like, oh, you were funding it on your own and then you realized, yeah, okay, so, we, we're going to need to get some other money to really grow this thing? Yeah, so pers- so uh, I was using a lot of like my personal money like to get certain machines and stuff like that. So I'm like, you, I can I can still do this, but I would want, um, I would want to be able to fund it in a different way, which will be either our business bank accounts. Like we, we gradually went from personal money to the revenue from sales to Mm -hmm. credit and um with that use your use your personal credit to be able to get your business credit but then it won't be attached to your personal credit after you you are approved for the business credit right were you just basically using like a credit card to pay for business expenses or did you get were you like almost telling them like hey i'm gonna use this for this like or was it just like you having a spreadsheet keeping track of like what's personal what's business no so 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 my personal what my personal uh 
income because I was also like around the time working at a, a museum and doing audiovisual at a museum. Mm-hmm. So I would take that that money and you know uh, after I handle my personal uh, expenses, I would use some of that to invest in what we needed to invest in for the company, whether it's like the product, whether it's the materials or the machines. But after a while, it's like, okay, we can, and I, w- I would hold on to every single dollar as far as of the, the business. A- and after that, I was like, okay, we need to use some of the business expenses because another thing too, when you have LOC, you have to file like taxes as well. So you will want to have those expenses on your your business tax, mm-hmm. you know. So um, we we gradually transitioned into using uh, that revenue, and then I started looking more into okay business credit because a lot of a lot of people will get like kind of like an angel investor, or you know, um, just any any type of person that can invest into the company. But I said, let me try this way first before I. Um, you know, feel like I need to, okay, let me go get a investor. Okay. So just help me understand like the terms, like when you say, um, credit, that's yes. like, that's money you have to pay back. Right. Yes. Okay. But, but, with, but with that, it's like, um, so what I can say is like with, with the credit for my, uh, my business. So I'm with like, um, I have a chase, like, um, credit line mm-hmm. and with that credit line, they don't charge you interest until probably like after like a year or or so. So what I would do is um So first year no interest. Yeah, first year no interest. And right now I'm in the first year of using credit. Mm-hmm. You know, so this whole time we we're about to be I guess five years into uh building this company. And I recently got the credit over this last um this last campaign I did. Okay. So with the credit, I use it, but I also keep uh, keep that as an expense. That's the only expense I have. So I put I put everything on that that card, and then I'm I'll pay it before. Like of course I'm 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 paying it, but I'm taking advantage of that no interest for the year, and then from there put a different structure together for using that credit line. Right. So like when you're investing into a collection and you have to put all this money up front, but yeah. you're not seeing any returns because the collection is not out yet. Like you're taking up all that credit. Yeah. But then once you release the line, then you might be able to go and pay off this. Yeah. Even if it's like three months later. Yeah. That's kind of. Yeah. Because like when you scale a business, like a lot of the time, there's a lot of finance required in order mm. to scale it. So when was the first you were kind of feeling those growing pains? And what your was your immediate reaction to be like, oh, okay, we need to open this business credit line, or like, yeah. how did you navigate that? Yeah, so like, like using my personal finance, that's when you know, cause like when you when you're using your personal finance, you're sacrificing certain things to be able to put into your projects or what you have going on. So it's like, okay, I might have to go a month without having my phone right now, so I can be able to use some of that expense to put into you know, right. my collection. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, there's this opportunity to go get money for this business rather than taking away from my personal entity, like right. my personal life and lifestyle. So right. definitely just like the the opportunity with owning a business, there comes 
okay, you can open a credit line now for mm-hmm. that business. And then it's all about like gaining the knowledge as well. So with, with that, like, so that's why like gradually going from personal uh, expenses to business expenses, like that's something like, say you go through that, okay, like I, let's, let's see if I can find a way where I don't have to tap into my personal business or my personal uh, finances. Let me um, start the budget on how I'm going to use the revenue from sales. Cause at first, when I first started, the first two, three years, I wasn't touching the business revenue at all. I was like, we're not even going to touch this to buy a shirt, buy anything with it. You were saving you know, it? What saving were you doing? it. And I was, just sa- I was just saving it. I was saving it like because I, I didn't know what to do with it or how to like maneuver with it. You know. So after a while, I'm like, okay, we're going to use some of this to work on our next collection because I started like reading into what other like brands do. And they're like, okay, they use some of the revenue, like you're not always, basically like a lot of brands say you're not always supposed to be, or you're not always going to be in green. You're going to be like even or a little under what you expect. But I was always trying to keep my company in green as far as mm. with the revenue. You went into it with that mindset? Yeah. You went into it? Yeah. So thinking. that's why I was using personal finance. I said, whatever, it don't matter what's going on. I'm not touching the business revenue. I'm just going to use my personal finance to fund this. Even if I have to be like, okay, I'm not going to have this phone for this month for. Yeah. Sounds like some like legal money laundering where you're just like, okay, (laughs) put the money into the business. It comes back out, but we're not touching it because now it's clean. Yeah. So (laughs) what you said, like, okay, you were looking at other businesses and they were doing it too. Was your, you obviously said, said you wanted to keep in the green. Yeah. So was it scary once you decided to tap into that? Were you kind of afraid to be like, oh, I'm taking a risk here. Like we might end up in the red. No, because um, after after a while, I'm like the, the risk, the risk was was being weighed out with the outcome of like a collection or the outcome of like being put investing it into something and then seeing like double or triple from that investment. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it like. I think at first I was, that's why I was using my personal finance because I was like, kind of like afraid of taking that risk of, oh, I'm using this um, business revenue for that. But I'm like, that's what it's for. You know, it's for, it's for that, you know? Right. We basically, we talked about trademarks and we talked about the funding and financial side of it along that way too. Was there anything else that really had you feeling anxious or really challenged you in a way because I know there's times for me where it might be slow and steady and I have these things where it's like maybe I get to know every once in a while but Mm -hmm. in terms of like the business thing things will like really ramp up quickly like you might have something that you have to get done now or like you said like with the approval for the trademark like you had to end up go back and like attest or like say like oh this is why you know, there's no confusion here. Like yeah. the supermarket, this is what it means to us. So like, don't worry about that. So was there anything else really that like popped up that was like kind of frantic or that you really had a challenge with? Um, I think probably like, um, like us having the, like recently we had a Black, a Black Friday sale and with the Black Friday sale, you know, um, you have to, first, first you have to know Say like if you're doing a computer order, you have to know if your manufacturers are 
going to be able to deliver on time. You also have to know if you'll be able to ship on time because everything is running on like a crazy like holiday schedule as far as like um for Christmas time with the with shipping. Mm-hmm. So that that's something that gets me like anxious and like nervous. And I'm like, okay, I want to ship out either as early as possible. Or I want to keep track of every tracking number to make sure everything gets to where it's supposed to get at the time that's supposed to get get there is that really just a communication and planning thing how do you prepare for something like that it is but it's also like it's also a thing where it's like i don't think you can prepare for it because it's like it's unexpected you know it's um it's an unexpected thing but it also it just keeps you like kind of like like anxious but like kind of like just hopeful of like okay i hope this i hope this can get where it needs to go or i hope it doesn't get to a point where it's like it's taking long longer than it's usually supposed to take to where someone is like dissatisfied but we we haven't had anyone like that's dissatisfied yet Mm -hmm. i want to ask we've had previous episodes one question that i want to mention um i'll get to it but first is like resources um i had a previous guest samantha harper and she talked about email track it's like this very simple thing like you just put it uh it's a plug-in for your email it tells you like who opened it how many times they opened it maybe who they sent it to you would you say there's any resources that you use that have really helped you in doing business maybe if it's like an automated system or is there any tips or tricks that yeah, and, I, and I, I heard do. that 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 was a real useful tool, like because I I didn't even know about like mm-hmm. the email tracker, but um, I would say just your your data, like I, and anything you do as far as any business, and data runs like the world, like with that with data you can like figure out what your next move would would be, you know, so you're not just like kind of like shooting in the dark at anything. So I would say like my like having a newsletter, like I'm heavy on like collecting emails or collecting like names names and emails so I can like really know who's who's who you know or not not just know who's who but like just have that have that community where yeah. I can be able to like make my my next move from like you know yeah I'm glad you bring this up I guess really your recommendation or kind of like the resources the newsletter but also like newsletter management and like yeah. capturing those emails. So I would say analytics, like in that data also, are there any things that really reveal to you that you're successful or what what data points do you try to hit? I know you talked about like profit. Um, are there certain, also like with the, I'm going everywhere, but with mm-hmm. the sale, like how do you determine the margin? I guess, is there anything in there that really you want to talk about? Yeah, well with, well, with the data, you can determine like, where uh, like a kind of like an influx of like traffic is is going but also you can determine what region is more like more or less like um a part of what you have going on a part of your brand would you You say geographical region or what would you say so um so basically like i like to narrow it down to like states then narrow it even more down to like uh cities you know um um hopefully uh soon we'll have other like countries mm-hmm. but mainly it's like uh cities and states like I, I i like even when i'm doing like marketing or advertising 
I advertise based on our analytics as far as like state and then even a small, um, like a more narrowed ver- uh, version of like marketing to certain cities in those in those states as well. So when you narrow down to certain regions into certain cities, that did does that help you really understand who your target customer is in a way? In in a yeah, in a way, you know, um, I feel like the the best way to understand who your audience is is by seeing them like actually like uh, put your your stuff on on like the internet and stuff like that. You you can tell. Um, Ba- just based on the area, you could you can kind of get a sense of like who's your customer, but you won't really like truly know until you like see them wearing it or you can see their name on like on your your newsletter. Right. And I want to ask. So with you figuring out who your target demographic is, and then you targeting them, I want to go back to the analytics side of it. What do you think? I guess a lot of businesses, the most challenging part for them is understanding what all this information means. Yeah. A lot of them capture it. Like I even know for myself, like we're doing stuff with emails. It's like, how do we use these emails? Mm-hmm. Um, so not specifically emails, but more so like the analytics. Like what do you pull from all that stuff? What are the biggest telltale signs or like what really helps you continue to improve your operations? Well, um, age group age group and gender it like it shows me what my strengths and weaknesses are as far as like especially when it comes to gender for example um i know i heavily started focusing on menswear because we have a a large like men's like as far as like a community of like men Mm -hmm. and like with this last campaign i wanted to like cater more to like women's wear or get more into women's wear so that we can build that that group up our most of our sales come from like men you right know? but i want to like have it to where like it will basically it shows your strengths our strength will be like in designing menswear and our weakness will be or i would say it's a weakness but i would say it's something that we're working on which is which would be women's wear so tapping more into that so it's that's, like it's like opportunity i know for me in school we did these things called white space opportunities where you would look at, you do like a SWOT analysis, like yeah. strengths, weakness, opportunity, threats. Opportunity, threats are like more external things. Uh, I'm sure you know, but just to explain it to like the listeners, like opportunities, threats, that's like what's happening outside of the business. So like an opportunity could be this trend that's happening, mm-hmm. whether it be like, okay, formal menswear is really big. Okay, how do we tap into that? And then a threat might be like, okay, the economic conditions right now, like maybe there's a recession, people don't have a lot of money to spend, like how can we reduce our prices? But just talking about that, it's like, okay, what opportunities out there for us and what have we still not tapped into? So you talked about things with the women's wear side of things, like Mm -hmm. you noticed you were doing really well with men's wear, but you also noticed that, okay, there are, there is, there is this female audience out there, but we could also grow that. Yeah, so and it's kind of like doing doing your research, uh, doing research with the, well, doing your homework with the research that you're provided mm-hmm. through, you know, like your analytics. Right. And with that, it's like um, 
like 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 I was saying with, with women's wear, that's something we want to grow more on based on okay we have this we have a small bubble of women that you know do uh, shop with our brand, but we want to make it to where it's more varieties and more products for them to like choose from. Got it. What do you think would be more helpful for you moving forward in the future? Are there any analytics that you're really interested in diving into more? Or maybe do you want to entirely shift to like, okay, so we have this analytics, but maybe now we do something physical. Like we've noticed it's doing really well in this region. Mm -hmm. Maybe we even go out there do a pop-up and talk to them face to face and really find out what it is that grabs their attention. Like what is something you have yet to do and that you think would be really valuable? I think um, definitely, definitely a pop up, but like, kind of like like going to more events, rubbing elbows, showing my face, um, letting people see my my brand on on me as well, while I uh, also you know communicate and network with like different people. I'm not really, um, or I haven't really been going to like New York Fashion Week or some of these events that maybe I should be at, you know. So that's something that I'm more like proactive on with uh, this upcoming like year, like being out in more events and like meeting more people, working with more different uh, diverse models and uh, models from different regions and things like that. Definitely. What would you say is something that's maybe holding you back a little bit? Yeah, I would is say it the funding. Um, is it the credit? Is it? It, it would. It would be. Um, Probably like a if a bigger budget would um, probably make it. I don't. I don't think funding holds back the product because we can put out great product. We put out great product. We put out nice quality product. I think uh, funding holds back more of the marketing aspect and the advertising aspect because with that you have to. It's a lot that you have to put into that, but also you have to you you learn as you're. As you're doing that, that's that's something I would want to probably bring someone on aboard to our team to work on that aspect of things. Also, to being more in front of the camera, like and being more, uh, you know, of a communicative person. I think that would be um, something that would help help me. Definitely, one thing I thought about, I lost it just it was just there so we were talking about you know doing business um analytics email list i'm trying to think about because i had a good question for you i'll cut this piece out but uh i think it was like uh i was talking about advertising right so you were talking about financing and your budgets and your credit line so i want to ask you like how do you decide what to invest into and like what at what percentages like What's your advertising budget? What's your administrative budget? Like, how do you do all that budgeting? Do you yeah, do well, budgeting? Um, we 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 sit together as a as a team, and we like me and Shalise will sit together as a team, and we'll focus on like what, how much should be spent on what, and what, and basically what do we what outcome do we want from how much we're investing into it? You know, like what's a, a kind of like an estimate goal of what we're looking for. And what would you say right now, like if you could just give percentages, what are you looking at? Are you doing like 30% advertising? Like what would you say is like a really big 
thing for you right now? What's I think, a big I think the focus? biggest the biggest piece would be production because I want to always make sure like the clothes are like at a, a a quality that I that's like respectable and that I like I really like approve of because I I like wearing like the stuff like if I'm putting it on I want it to like or if it represents uh, me or my brand I want it to be like top notch quality. But um, advertising, I'm leaning more toward like that. That's a smaller piece of like my budget, but I'm trying to grow that part of my budget as well. Right. I want to ask you, maybe is there a company out there that you really admire and look after? The reason I even mentioned this is because mm-hmm. my friends told told me this story about the ice cream Van Leeuwen. Are you familiar? Um, it's it's collaborate more. On, on... Yeah. So there's this ice cream out here, and they have a few shops. Brooklyn, uh, Lower Manhattan, and they have like lots of different flavors, but they're very like signature flavors. Like mm-hmm. they might have like this honeycomb that they're known for. They might have this other, they're not like traditional flavors in yeah. a sense, but the whole reason I bring this up is because my friend was telling me the story about how this company focuses so much on research and development of their product. Mm-hmm. They hardly spend any money on advertising or product packaging they actually had this artist just come and do like the product packaging and it's very very simple like it's just like one color the logo that's it like they spend so much money on research and development so i want to ask you maybe is there a company that you look after and you've noticed okay that that sort of operating process or operating system works really well and we want to try to replicate that yeah well i i I take a lot like or look at a lot of different companies like some mainly i think the people who have like like their finger on the pulse of like doing that type of stuff is like tech companies because they know how to like put a product you don't they don't really have to like really do too much as far as like getting a product out there the, some of the designs are uh, uh, sleek and, and simple. Even the advertising. The advertising is just really, like, simple when you see it. Like an Apple, you know, for instance. Like, Apple is, like, really, really good at, like, um, really in the customer without doing too much, mm. you know. And would you say, so you're talking more about, like, the advertising side of it? Like, you think these tech companies are really something to look at from the tech side? Yeah. I mean, uh, from the, the advertising um, yeah. side? Yeah. And what's something maybe you've tried to replicate yourself? Is it doing small like videos cuz you've noticed those work like yeah. what's so, the tactic? So like the, yeah, the the campaign campaign visuals like keeping them short, telling the story in them, keeping them short and to the point and then at the end letting you know okay, this is the the brand where it's where it's from. Definitely. I want to ask you because you talked about materials and the quality mm-hmm. of your clothing. What makes an item luxury to you? Um, it, I think uh, what makes item luxury is like the meaning, the meaning behind it, and the significance that it has to the consumer, the person who's buying the the item. Right. It's not really the price point. It's really like the significance you you give the item. Like, it's certain pins that I have, right? And it's like I look at this pin like it's like a luxury item because of the value it, it has to me like or what it means to me you know or I, I might like how it writes better than a, a big pen or something like that you know like, mm-hmm. that's how i look at luxury right so i read something about you personally 
that was about kind of like time management and that was something you struggled with how would you say you're doing with it now is that something you've improved with and how have you improved on that yeah i'm getting i'm getting better with it at uh it's still something where because now now i'm like um block scheduling i don't know if you uh know yeah like our block schedule now before i used to just say okay i gotta do this on this day or i would have like the gym or reading or i would have it like all day on my schedule now mm-hmm. i have it to where it's like okay at 7 30 or 8 30 i'm doing this i'm doing this at this time so it's better managed because when i would have it all day i'd be like okay i'll get to the gym probably nine o'clock or i'll i'll get there when i get there and then after a while it's like I have all this stuff piled up for the week that I have to do, whether it's like putting a campaign together. I always want to make sure I go to the gym, always want to make sure I read, and um, always want to make sure I'm working on the company every day. So, but I would have it to where it's like, it's not prioritized in different slots of the day. So to be like, okay, I'm gonna do this, and then, oh, this is what I have to do that's most important, instead of just having it like in time slots. Right, so having some some sort of routine that you can commit yourself to and yeah. know that these are the objectives you have to hit and giving them the time and the space in your schedule yeah. in order to go do those things. Because now, now it, it used to seem like unorganized. Now it's like a thing where it's like, okay, I'm putting this piece right here, putting this right here as well. And then after I leave from here, go here and do this. You know? Definitely. I think I've asked a lot of the questions that I wanted to ask you yeah. and you've get, uh, given listeners and myself a lot of insight as to what you do and how you do it. So I want to ask you one last thing is like, what advice would you give to somebody out there? What's something you want to leave uh, with the listeners? Well, I would say whatever you, whatever you want to do, you start it as soon as possible. Start it now. Don't, you don't have to, you don't have to like do too much planning out. You know, some people take a long time planning out to the point where they don't even get to like accomplish what they want to accomplish, right? So I would say like start it, make your mistakes as you go. You know, start your stuff uh, young as well. And, you know, take your lumps, take your bruises uh, and grow with what you're doing. Make sure that you're learning from what you're doing. And if you feel like you're um, like kind of like stagnant in what you what you have going on, try to make a pivot or try to add somebody along to be able to help you with your journey. You know, definitely. I appreciate you. You know, ten times uh, for coming out here, coming and joining me, coming all the way from Philly. Yeah, thanks um, for having me, Shalice and yeah. Kwan. Um, had the pleasure of talking to both of you today and getting all of your very valuable knowledge and just really appreciate that so last thing how can people connect with you support you and tap into what you're doing all right um well with this, the brand the supermarket you can um visit the website at www.thesupermarket.online so instead of dot com is dot online um instagram is the supermarket co and if you want to personally follow follow me or, you know, hit me up about anything or, you know, work with me or anything, um, my social media handles is Gimme Wan. So it'll be uh, G-I-M-M-E-W-A-U-N. 
and uh, that's about it. Wonderful. I'll make sure to link all that stuff in the episode description right. so that we can have people tapped in with you and following along with your journey. All right. So, again, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Really, thank you. Uh, thank you, listeners, and hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to go show some love to K1 and also go ahead and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date with new episodes dropping. Thanks so much.